Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb I am. Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And as I'm sure you know, my friend, it's all very well for the chief executive officer to dream up some audacious vision. CEOs are the rock star of business, and but frankly, Scarlett, her airy vision is never going to get off the ground unless Ms. CEO has a clever, hard-sweating chief financial officer to fuel it up and generate a lot of fiscal wind beneath those wings. So the CF really is the right-hand person that makes the improbable dreams possible. And the tales of this necessary CFO-CEO partnership are they're very human, and they're loaded with a lot of intrigue very often, but they hold a lot of vital lessons for us all. And by the great good graces of fine planning and the great good God Ganesh, we have Mr. Wayne Ackerman, who has plied his fiscal wizardry and CFO talents over the widest range of the business community, from Fortune 100s to startups. He's a gentleman of exceptional wit and immense experience and sharp understanding. So if you'd like to delve into the human intrigue of how business actually happens and how you can drive your dreams to faster fruition, pull up your chair a little closer and join us in this feast of wisdom all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Wayne, I thank you for breaking free from your latest CFO leadership in the City of Angels to help us gain a better understanding of what the chief financial uh, officer roles are and, and their potential value. Well, that was a great introduction, Bart. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Oh, this is this is going to be great fun. Wayne, you have, I, I know, in your sort of stratospheric level of numbers crunching careers, <laughs> so you've served as the chief financial officer for several large firms, including those who've guided Jack Welch's General Electric. So kind of to kick us off and help us understand where the CFO ideally stands and serves in the corporate structure. How did Jack Welch define what he wanted from his CFO? He wanted a partner. He wanted a partner. Beyond a mm. partner, he wanted backup and he wanted a strategist and he wanted a visionary and of course we all know that he wanted to surround himself with people smarter than him which was hard to find but uh, he thought very highly of that position as well as two other positions very highly of the head of HR and very highly of the head of IT lessons that we can all learn Boy, that's absolutely true. My old joke with that is that uh, our CEO believes in, in hiring people smarter than himself. Alas, in his case, it's impossible to do otherwise. But uh, that's uh, wit aside. I think I think you are right in that, uh, that the value he placed on those uh, is an example for us all. Now, I know that you, Wayne, you've moved – you've got a long history as CFO uh, – and you've been hopping around. Uh, you, you've served with, with several major firms, but now you've you've taken a, a, a launch into a different uh, status. You're now a consulting with as interim and crisis management CFO, which is a little different. I mean, you're hopping on planes and plunging in to uh, handle crises and um, rearrange things. Is is this 
career shift, is this a whole new set of challenges, or is it pretty much the same uh, battle being fought in different venues for you? The good news is that some of the same fundamental building blocks are, are required. Uh, however, uh-huh. it requires applying them differently. Uh, it requires you know, requires us to be a little bit more nimble, a little bit quicker, um, and, uh-huh. and to be, believe it or not, a little bit more effective because there is really no time or room for a misstep when you're joining a company for three to five months to help them transition through a difficult time. Yeah, boy, I bet that's true. And just uh, because you're stepping in like this, I want—I was wondering if you could kind of help us differentiate here. Let's say that I'm a really—you've come in. I'm, I'm a really good, solid accountant. My CFO, who I'm sorry, my CEO, who started the company, uh, calls me his controller, and I, I give him the numbers and the forms he understands, and I know the company finances and assets inside out. Uh, that's where I am. But what is the chief financial officer going to be doing? that I am not. In other words, what, what skills would be added to the CFO set and attitudes and things? In many cases, it boils down to leadership, um, and it's leadership mm-hmm. on two sides. It's the leadership of people uh, where you're mm-hmm. making sure everyone in the company has a common vision and is huh. working together to align to that common vision. Sometimes within the skill set of good controller and, frankly, sometimes not. So certainly that leadership and support of the CEO, you know, once all the people are driven to do the same thing and it's a good team, much higher likelihood. Right. And the other form of leadership is uh, more technological. In other words, you should be looking huh. at leading your department to being a better service provider to the operators. Remember. Finances okay. is still and if your customers who are sales and operations and, and if they don't like their resource, they'll fire them. So you have to always yeah. be providing better and more services to your internal customers to help them succeed. And usually that comes in the form of better, more meaningful data and information uh, to help them make better decisions. So it's a, it's a lot more than providing the accurate monthly financial statements, which is terribly important, but only a small yeah. piece of a high-functioning finance department is providing to the rest of the entity. So you're sort of streamlining that whole department to streamline and make digestible all the fiscal information, right? Well, sure. So um, as an example, people don't necessarily think of Sales order backlog, orders that we have in house uh-huh. that haven't shipped as as as, right. as a finance. Function. Finance should make sure it's accurate, it's timely, it's easy to digest, and the people in operate it's presented so that the people in operations know exactly what they're working on next and know the priority of what they're working on. You know, do they work on something that's higher margin first, or on something uh-huh. that's critical to a customer first? So a good finance organization could bridge the gap between the financial information when it comes in, the purchase order from the customer, and the criticality to the organization in terms of profits and in terms of customer need. That's an example of bridging the gap from your basic financials to a slightly higher level of financial data 
that makes us, helps us make better decisions. So you're burrowing down so you can, as you say, make burrowing in so you can make better decisions up. That's I, I see. Well, I know. I just it reminds me of something that I've read about uh, you. You reduced by thirty percent in in um, one of the firms you work for. I recall a uh, we won't mention, but uh, thirty to thirty percent the bad debts. I mean that's part of the timeliness and taking care of all the little strands, right? How did you do that? <laughs> and, and that's a great controller function, but like we're finding in this day and age, everything is about data and process. Uh-huh. So, so oh, this is okay. just one more problem, like like almost anything else, where if you understand the process and you can analyze the weaknesses, and if you understand the data, because usually you know the past is a very good predictor of the future, you can pinpoint where mm-hmm. the problems are and you can address them. So, um, again, process and data, the, the intersection, usually make for, for wonderful results. Oh, well, well put. You're bringing the human and the, and the factual numbers together. Marvelous. Yeah. Uh, if you've just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time floats eternally through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And as an added avenue, you can also enjoy our shows uh, on the C-Suite Radio Station. We're proud members of C-Suite Radio, where business dreams are sparked and answers flow from the experts. So just visit our Art of the CEO episodes also on c-suiteradio.com. And now, Wayne, looking at the entrepreneurial side, uh, supposing that I am uh, the, the, the CEO of a mid-sized firm that I, I've launched and I've babied and, and uh, we're expanding, we're growing, when do I need to graduate to actually hiring on a permanent CFO? When, when, what are the indicators? There's a, many different answers to that question. It's a great question. <laughs> but in my opinion, it's at the point where you as the CEO feel that you're involved in so many fiscal decisions within the company that you are mm-hmm. – it is taking time – from where you should be spending your time, which is with customers, developing products, meeting people. Mm -hmm. If you're a CEO who decides you need a new ERP system, that's terrific, but you shouldn't be the one selecting it and implementing it, right? That pulls you away from what's important. You know, in my opinion, the CEO is always involved. One-third of his time is with people, one third of with customers and one third is with making sure the company is functioning as needed. If you're not doing that and you're spending a lot of time in finance, that's a screaming sign. Go out and hire a, a strong financial person. Uh, okay. Well, I did notice uh, that when, when we uh, wrote the book, uh, the art of the CEO uh, on which the program is based actually is, we we surveyed a thousand, literally a couple of thousand CEOs, and almost to a, a person, they said their biggest surprise when they first got onto the job was how much uh, time they were were spending on 
finances in general, talking to investors and mm. helping them see what's uh, helping them deal with the financial thing. So it's, it is a big problem that faces them all. I was just wondering, though, in, when you have a company that's established, how do you get that C, uh, how how can you as the CFO sort of smooth the way and and make uh, make more effective the, the CEO's time with investors and funders and so forth how do you how do you go about it what's your role in that it, it goes back to what's the role of any employee the role of any employee right. is to make their boss's life easier to make them look smarter and to make them feel like a superstar so if you know what environment, what question, what audience your, your, your CEO is going into, you know, usually it's the CFO who is putting together presentations, whether they be PowerPoint with verbiage or numbers or the intersection of both. The more you can do at giving something relevant and easy to digest, the more you're going to minimize his time. And the more time you spend educating him about the complexities of the, of the business and the results, and the more conversational that you can make him in front of an investor, all of a sudden you just made your CEO, you used the term a rock star before because he can talk about the product, the vision, and there's always one analyst in a group or one board member in a group who will try to trip him up and embarrass him by asking a complicated financial <laughs> question. And if you could just yeah. give him, educate him a reasonably high-level answer that satiates the person who asks it, and, of course, he could always say, and I encourage you to follow up with my CFO after this meeting, who could give you a, a more full debrief. Um, you want that CEO knowing that you're taking care of him, not that he's got to spend nights right. and weekends in finance. That's that's a very wise idea. You, you're sort of reminding me of Christ and the Pharisees. But uh, that I, th my friend uh, Wayne has just come up with a timely business truth, and so I would like you all to, to say that we have a quilt. Realize we have a quilt pen moment. That is a timeless truth. I'd like you to dip your pens in the inkwell. I would like you to scribble down that your job as an employee is to make your boss's life easier, smarter, and to make him look like a superstar. That is your fastest way to success, and thank you, Wayne, for, for giving us that one. It's so true. And, well, one of the other things that I uh, I, I know that, that you come in now as, as a CFO, as you join in, you're not always greeted with wide and welcoming arms, particularly uh, uh in when you come in perhaps as a temporary or they're not sure. I mean, sometimes I know the bank has pressured a, a CEO and a board to, to bring to bring on some help. So I was wondering if you could kind of share with us one situation where your helping hand was, shall we say, greeted with either a little hostility or a big batch of craziness, and, and, and how you handled it. Well, the interesting part to that is I recently read a statistic that a, a, a CFO only does – only about a third of what we do we were trained to do in high school. So we're generally in <laughs> uncharted. So you can't certainly hold a controller or a junior CFO in who, who the first time that they're seeing a distressed environment for not quite knowing what to do. Um, it would be like 
a heart surgeon and asking him to do eye surgery. He might be a little bit confused in the beginning. So, you know, <laughs> yes, you're basically coming in and you're trying to, to basically recognize you've done a great job. We know where you are, but you've now hit a rough path. You probably don't have the experience working through a rough patch. And let me share with you a couple of tools in my tool bag that typically helps companies get through times like this. And if you're respectful and if you allow the inside people to be a part of the solution uh, and you hear them out, because, of course, all of the great answers are within the people who know the company. We don't come in with genius answers. We come in with tried and true techniques to help put that information together and create a plan to get through the difficult period. So the fact that all of a sudden they now not see you as a threat who's going to embarrass them or blame them, blame them for the situation that they're in, but as a resource to say, here's going to get out of it, most people will turn a little bit more friendly at that. It, and it's really, of course, all about being you, – you, very often you have to be tough you have to make hard decisions. They may even be people decisions. But when people see yeah. that you're fair, their interests in mind, you tend yeah. to start moving them from the left to the right. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Or the dark I, I think that's, that's – yeah, right. <laughs> we, everybody is wondering which way we should shift left or right anyway at this point. But anyway, mm-hmm. I think I think that's really true. You 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 came on like ice over glass. It was very smooth and it was very, because you have an honest and helpful, that honest and helpful attitude rather than the dictatorial or, or screaming upset. It's very good. Well, I, I know that you mentioned the, uh, earlier the, the CEO and CFO partnership. And, uh, I, I, there's one all too common hurdle that I know you face because you chatted with me when we first met about this story. And so I'm going to ask you here to tell a little tale out of school or, or fill us in on one. You had one uh, CEO, entrepreneur CEO, I believe, was, and he was, he was smitten with sim- simplicity. Everything's got to be simple. Everything's got to be tweet length. We all know folks like this. And he, he, so he turns to you, Wayne, and he said, Wayne, how much money will we have at year's end? I mean, he wanted the, an annual report in one number. So <laughs> could you tell us how you responded on that one? Well, this was a wonderful guy years and years ago who – became very successful by making everything very simple. So his concept was if we earn $10 million in a year and we pay $5 million in taxes, at the end of the year we're going to have $5 million more of cash in the bank. And all he wanted people to do was agree that that was the correct approach. And as hard <laughs> as it was, we all know many of us who have been in finance, that there's at least 15 things that make that answer uh, you know, probably different than what he expected. Not to bore you with detail, <laughs> but depreciation and amortization affected. Um, you know, term debt affects it. We, as accountants, very often we accrue things and we prepay them and we jump through all these gyrations in order to present our numbers <laughs> according to death. But this poor guy just wanted everything, you know, just wanted these complex financials to tell him the cash answer. And the more and more right. you try to explain, the, the angrier and angrier he got. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was virtually a no-win 
a no-win situation. And in this case, being slightly younger and a little less forceful than I am now, I strongly uh-huh. encouraged him. I said, here, take this piece of paper, which is the answer. Hire the smartest CPA you can find in all of New York City and let him explain it. You know, perhaps Whoa. he'll be more articulate than me. And he did. And begrudgingly, he said, in, in the future, I want my answer in this format of the piece of paper you gave me, Wayne. No mumbo jumbo. Ah! No fancy. Just give me this piece of paper. And uh, that's how we worked through it. It was very difficult because he wanted what he wanted, and he was a very successful, very bright man. And, you know, a fight would have been, um, you know, uh, what, what, what do they call it? I would have been dead right had I fought. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. <laughs> dead right, dead right. Well, it, it is it is so true. that you And the the real truth, I think, that so many of us don't, recognize in this time-pressed world is that wisdom and truth do not always come in tweet length. There, there, mm-hmm. there are, you look at the, the issues that a major corporation runs. Look at our political issues. These are not mm-hmm. things that can be satisfied with a tweet. But at any rate, uh, Wayne, I, I, you're really... <laughs> You're really enlightening us here. I, I really want to sit by this campfire and hear more of your, your sort of takeaway tales on CFOs, and and uh, which we're going to continue. And um, right after, we have a sort of a brief humorous sorbet uh, for, for you, my friend, who are listening out there. So allow me to uh, rip you away from Wayne for a moment, and he'll be back right after our few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you take valuation of your coworkers and associates and business buddies and find some ways to enlist their aid? Or will you continue to view all the world as your competitor? (laughs) The choice, my friend, is truly, truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book, which I am thumbing through as we speak. Here we go, 85, 85. Uh, Our boards hold all the wisdom and experience. Our C-suite holds all the facts. Sadly, when it comes to making decisions, each refuses to trespass on the other's domain. <laughs> what do you think, Wayne? Have you had a at some times when you've had to pull these two business strands, what, the the wise board and uh, the factual uh, administrators together to make a wise marriage? Well, Bart, as I'm sure you know, just about every interaction in life is a negotiation, and any good negotiation <laughs> starts with no and ends up somewhere in the middle. So between the historical and the expertise knowledge of your board members and the more factual experience-based uh, forecasts of your, 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 your CEO and your CFO, there is usually a divergence. And because right. you know, very often you're only having the hard conversations with your boards quarterly, um, questions and topics come up and people use that opportunity to express 
you know, their, their view. And it needs, you right. know, when they're different, it needs to be handled gingerly and thoughtfully and respectfully. And I'll give one example. Years ago, I was involved in divesting some businesses, some underperforming businesses right. from a company. And the board's feeling of their value was significantly different than management's feeling of their value. And when the <laughs> conversation came up, it got uh, entertaining, I guess is the word. Um, and, you're, and, you're so and, tactful, Wayne, I must say. But yeah, and, and while, 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 one, while, while, while we as the management could, could, could never dream of, of saying to someone, you're wrong, you know, the thoughtful answer uh, that came out is, well, the market will tell us the right answer. Because, okay. you know, when you divest a company, you typically try to find and make a competitive process and, and, and get several sure. bids. And um, mm -hmm. usually, you know, those bids sort of drive the right answer. And, and I will tell you that they did drive an answer, and it was slightly lower than the board thought, and it was slightly higher than the management thought. But, um, you know, there are lots of, lots of examples where, again, a conversation is a negotiation and everyone needs to right. leave it feeling right. And nobody needs to leave it feeling like the winner, like they crush their opponent. Yes. So absolutely. it's really a matter of how you, of how you, it's really all about framing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. And my own feeling is that, uh, from the board's point of view, the, the, the best decisions are made by those who have seen it all in days before and yet are wise enough to seek out what's, uh, what is brand new in this shop this day and to whom should you be listening. Mm -hmm. Anyway, if you've smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of the 102 or the 101 Best Business Quips books, and you will set your conversation glistening with a spice of laughter, or so we assure you. And uh, as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the individual who said... I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Those words were spoken by none other than the legendary man of invincible spirit himself, Alexander the Great. Congratulations, oh. all you winners, and stick with us, because later on the show, blurting your way, comes another quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and soul-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. <laughs> and before we return to the Chief Financial Officer, Mr. Wayne Ackerman, who is going to reveal some fascinating financial views on health care, uh, allow me to introduce you to the company by whose good graces we're here today, and that company is Prometheus Publishing, who this very day would like to invite you to look at the, well, it's a guide for the bright and energetic, a book called CEO of yourself, getting down to the business of your more rewarding life. So let me ask you, my friend, who's making your life choices? Are you directing the enterprise of you, or have you fallen into default mode? And is your government's 
governance, bringing you that more fulfilling life that you just know lies out there? Well, CEO of Yourself helps you discover your many marvelous assets and employ them towards goals that bring you a sense of mastery and a lot more fun. So I've got to add a little caveat here that uh, the CEO of yourself is not for the lazy and it's not for weaklings. It makes you stand up and using the model of chief executing officer makes you form such things as principles and forge your own character and sculpt yourself into the effective person you want to be. And if you, but if you have that kind of fire in your belly, and you've got that desire for an exhilarating life, then go ahead, my friend. Pick up your copy of CEO of Yourself. Just visit BartsBooks.com and get your copy the instant you complete this show, <laughs> or whenever. Uh, and now let us return to veteran CFO, CFO Wayne Ackerman, who is going to guide us a little more on uh, how to groom CEOs, boards, and balance sheets for greater rewards. Now, uh, Wayne, I'm curious. Uh, I we're, uh, we've taken a lot of time with this, but I want to uh, did ask you one thing. You have uh, you've told us about boards, but you you have developed a specialty yourself in redesigning healthcare and streamlining expenses, boosting morale. And here you are, a CFO, with doing something that's not your job description duty. Could you tell us? Uh, one some of the ways in which you would like to see uh, a better healthcare effort that could work for both employers and employees. Sure, and I I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I don't think anybody is because this is really a a very very sensitive and very important area in a dynamically changing economy and environment. But some of the principles that work in basic business, I believe, should also work within healthcare decisions, and that's of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think historically, the employer would dutifully pay uh, the healthcare premium each month, and the employer employee would utilize, you know, those healthcare uh, privileges uh, as. With, without thought, without, without thought to the overall cost. Um, and yeah. that's the biggest piece that's changing over time, that we need to mm. shift the accountability of how people spend their health care dollars to the people who spend it. And there's a mm. wide variety of techniques to do that. Um, there's different types of plans. There's medical spending plans. There are more and more being developed as we speak, but the fundamental difference is they're shifting the responsibility for the healthcare dollars to the individual. Um, mm, mm. At at at, it just at, makes at sense. the most extreme, yeah. I mean, at the most extreme extreme example, uh, if you stub your toe and go to the emergency room, it might cost ten thousand dollars. If you stub your toe right. and make an appointment to see your doctor in the morning, if you could live with the pain, it might only cost $500. So if you begin yeah. making that decision affect the individual's pocketbook, they might begin making different decisions, which affect mm. the overall landscape of how our healthcare dollars are spent, you know, with an effort of reducing them, not dictatorially, but just like, every other great team making everybody feel part of the decision. Oh boy, that is a wise move. It, it, it is, it is a known fact that the one person who has the least control say and control mm. 
and and mm. investment is actually the, mm. the person who's receiving it. I'm glad uh, receiving the medical right. care, and I'm glad you put that out. Right. When no, in your in your in your in your, so in your, in your I, oh sorry. In your generous intro, you you made you made me out to be an expert. I'm really not an expert. You can, although you can hire experts who do this for a living, day in and day out. But what you have to know is what result do you want from them? Uh, you right. know, and and to me, Good it's that point. that Good. accountability. Wayne, you 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 certainly have enlightened me, and I'm sure all our audience right out there uh, so much this this time uh, this episode. But I I I hear that you are offering an initial half hour interview for the Art of the CEO listeners uh, with you and with your uh, CVU CFO Solutions team to discuss uh, their company's needs and financial fitness. So to take advantage of that offer or to just learn more about your services, how might uh, folks get in, in touch with you? Well, sure. And of course, it, it's something that goes both ways. I like to help people with their some of their solutions, of course, with the end intent of perhaps, you know, being hired on an engagement. If you go onto my LinkedIn page, there's an opportunity to book a complimentary 30-minute uh, discussion uh, over whatever uh, pain, points of pain you'd like to discuss. Perhaps we can develop a quick strategy in 10 minutes, but more often than not, it morphs into a, a larger conversation of, you know, what can we do to address your uh, needs? Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate so much your coming on and uh, elucidating everything that – telling us a little bit how the C-suite does work and how it should work, <laughs> there being a vast mm. difference. And I thank mm. you so much for coming on. Sure, Bart. And, and thank uh, you. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, well, it, yeah. It, uh, I, I learned a lot. So I thank you, and as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you today's business quotation. That is, who was it who said, uh, everyone says ours is the best company in the world, but the customer doesn't care about the world. They care about the best in town, and that's what I want to be. And those clever words were spoken as just as a hint. This is the CEO was is the great grandson of the man who launched Japan's Industrial Revolution. So there's a hint for you. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune into the Art of the CEO ne uh, radio show next week because the fascinating celebrity fitness trainer, Ms. Ramona Braganza, voted best uh fitness trainer by Vogue magazine, tells how she launched her own star-studded business and how she rescues human trafficking victims, empowering them with jobs in her own country. This is the lady you really want to hear. Uh, so do tune in. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, money may be the blessed sap of business, uh, but it takes the eternal spring of dreams to drive it from underground and make it bear fruit. And to you, who have been gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Wayne and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows, really, by visiting theartoftheceo.com.
And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>